Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. And he'll drive one out to left center field. Tony Kemp back at the track, at the wall. Gone! Big fly, Otani side. Oh boy, did Shohei Otani go big fly over the weekend. Even though the baseball season is over, my loud, this guy just absolutely cashed in. Um, arguably the greatest player of my lifetime, and, and and I guess it will remain to be seen just how long a great career like that uh, goes on. But, um, you know, I, I thought Nate Gatter, who was in for Amy Marks Cores, I'm Chris Ranji, I thought that when we... We're talking about the potential for Otani and his new contract. And we knew that being a free agent, he was going to make a lot of money. We knew that. And uh, by the way, let me uh, just real quick say something. So We've got people who are calling into the line right now at 314-436-7900 who I think believe this is the contest time. It's not the contest time. I will let you know. <laughs> We will let you know when we are giving away the Cardinals holiday pack. We should just start putting just them on because the we played a baseball highlight does not mean we are giving away Cardinals tickets right now. And in case you didn't notice, that wasn't even a Cardinals highlight. Maybe they so all want to talk we, about Otani. We, we, we appreciate your enthusiasm for the Cardinals holiday pack, and you should have all kinds of it, but we're not giving it away right now. Listen for your chance to win, and I will tell you. Those are some savvy people, though, because as soon as they hear baseball, they think, this must be it. I'm getting in quick. Is there is there any – does it increase your likelihood if you're the first caller? No, because you need is to be – there will be a number we give away. We'll give you. A, we'll give you. A, a, we need like caller number blank. Right. And so so you, the speed is not necessarily a good no. thing. I mean, it's never caller number one. Nobody correct. ever says caller number one. That's correct. So correct. Got to make it a little tougher. Right. But we'll let you know. Hang tight. Don't worry, guys. We'll get there. So Shohei Otani over the weekend finalized with the Los Angeles Dodgers a ten-year. Nate Gatter, you ready for this? Seven hundred million dollar contract. Okay, so I'm going to tell is, you something it, controversial right now. It is the richest contract, a uh, salaried contract. We're not talking about endorsements or anything like that. It is the richest contract, not just in American sports history, but in the history of sports, bypassing Lionel Messi's Barcelona four-year, $674 million contract that he signed back in 2017. So it is now the richest contract in the history of world sports. Unbelievable deal. And so you hate it. No, I don't hate it. Okay. Uh, I what I'm what I was going to say that I think is controversial is if I were Shohei Otani and signed that contract, the moment that I signed it would be the last time I ever practiced baseball again in my life. I would <laughs> never were I would never do anything more than the bare minimum for the remainder of my career. Why? I'm getting that money regardless. What do I care? That's what happens just, to the you Dodgers? You do not absolutely believe that. No, I. I mean, I'd probably still. I'd probably. You know, I still want to do well. But you think I'm. You think I'm. You know, 
not eating chocolate because it's going to be better for my career again? Absolutely not. So then what you're saying is you have no professional pride. I didn't say none. Well. But not enough well, to, not, here, I would sell it for $700 million is what now, I'm saying. There are people I'm sure who see things that way, who say, well, I got my deal. I don't care. Hey, Anthony I'm, Rendon is I'm one good. of them. I'm good. I'm good. But here's the problem with that way of thinking. You have to keep in mind, most professional athletes don't just get there because they're physically more gifted than everybody else. Um, most of the time, they really care and really are competitive. It's very hard to get to the, the, the pinnacle of your sport in the best league in that sport without really caring about that sport in some capacity. Sure, there are some guys who are just so good and they hate the sport they play. Like, uh, I get that feeling from uh, Nikola Jokic, who's just yeah. like, hey, I'm just here for a job. He just happens to be better than everybody else. Yeah. That's, that's an outlier. But most guys are, they care. They want to win. They want to do well. They want to prove they are worth the money they're getting paid. And I would say the more that money is, the more you feel like you better show it or you're going to be facing a ton of criticism, especially if you're in a big market. Now, what I think is interesting about this situation now, and it happens occasionally, where the argument of, man, we really need a salary cap in this sport, pops back up. And I've been seeing it a lot over the last 48 hours, that it's too much money, there are too many teams who cannot possibly compete, and therefore we have to have a salary cap. There needs, There's a cap in the other sports, there should be a cap in this sport. And I am here to tell you that, no, there shouldn't. Why? Because there is, if your argument is, there is not enough of an opportunity for other teams to win, then you're missing the point of how teams actually win. Teams do win by spending money, but they do it by spending money wisely. They do it by drafting well, by developing well, by having a good organization overall. And if you go back to 2000, there have been 16 different World Series winners. And there have been zero repeats. That is parody. And not all of those teams have been the New York Yankees. In fact, the Yankees haven't even won since 2009. That's, to, that's, 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 to almost, be fair, that's a dozen years ago. The final four teams standing this year were the Rangers, who ultimately won the World Series, fourth highest payroll, yep. Philadelphia Phillies, fifth, the Houston Astros, seventh, and the Arizona Dimebacks, who were 20th. But that's, I think it's clear there is a strong, I understand that people make this argument and, you know, I had a whole thing last week talking about this in the St. Louis city context that, that became a big pain. Um, Oh yeah. I I think there is a clearly strong, uh, there is a strong correlation. This does not mean that winning, spending more money means you win more period, but there is a strong positive correlation between how much you spend and how much you win. And in order to, overcome that you need something special in the case of the Arizona Diamondbacks pretty much just good luck in the playoffs because they did not have one of the four best records in baseball in the case of the Tampa Bay Rays really the only team who has consistently been in the playoff picture while spending in the bottom 10 in the league it's just being better at being a baseball team than basically everyone else in the case of the Baltimore Orioles who were one of the best teams in baseball in the regular season with the second lowest payroll it's having more young talent that is therefore very cheap and on league minimum rookie contracts than anyone else in the league. But that's not sustainable because those guys get older, time moves on, and you eventually have to solve for that problem. I want to be clear. I think 
The main problem with the salary cap is that it undervalues, even if they're very highly paid workers, it undervalues workers for what they provide, and that's a bad thing. That it is, it is anti-worker just because those workers make ten, twenty, thirty million dollars a year doesn't mean they're not still employees. The same as are you saying because there, there's no floor? If you put a floor, that's what that yeah. would be my solution. In the NBA, for example, and people get mad when you say this. Almost by definition, every player on a maximum contract is underpaid because unless their value is the exact dollar figure of the maximum contract on a truly open market, they could have gotten more. They ran into the ceiling. So unless that ceiling happened to co- coincide exactly with their value, mo- it's much more likely their value is higher than that, right? Nikola Jokic on the open market would be worth more than what he's making. Correct. LeBron James would be worth more than what he's making. Steph Curry worth more than what he's making. If you put a salary cap on something without a floor, now the NBA has a floor, but without a floor that is essentially in equal measure, that raises the bottom by as much as you're lowering the top, that's a problem because it... it reduces the number of dollars in circulation for the players. So I would be okay with it only if the total number of dollars were going to stay roughly the same and we're going to and the the both cap and floor would increase with inflation so as to try to keep those dollars yeah. in and play. The, and the union or will, would, would increase with revenues, probably the, would increase the, with the overall profitability of the union league. will never agree to it because they know the owners would not do that. And here's they the know, other they reason. know that they know that owners are not going to increase the amount of dollars they contribute to payroll overall. They're just not they're not going to. But I don't think you have to. The average payroll was 165 million in the league last year. Yeah. Just add 35 and subtract 35. Ceilings 200 and the and the floor See, is 130. I don't think you do that. I think you you want to because these guys are responsible for creating so much revenue for their teams. And th- this argument of well, if you're a small market team, you can't compete. That's nonsense. But they the don't. Oakland, hold it's on. It's not the, that you can't. It's that they don't. I know you're going to talk about John Fisher. Yeah, it, it, the it, answer because is it's, not that, it's the best. It's the best argument, and the Pittsburgh Pirates too. But it's not that All John those, Fisher can't. It's that he won't. He won't. But you. But you're can't, not going to shame him into but it. But you can't. Well, right. you have to force him. Right. You have to force him. You can't force him to sell the team. You have to force him to spend more money. But here, here's how he gets rewarded. He gets a new building in a new city. That's that's what he's going to get by running a team into the ground. That's what he gets. And I don't think the salary floor is going to guarantee that he actually makes the team good. He what he'll do is he'll just spend the bare minimum. Then he's not gonna he's not going to but try it, to do well. If the bare minimum is one hundred and thirty million and the cap is two hundred, it would never be that. He's high. now he's it would now, never be that high. I'm saying I would only I am advocating they would in my hypothetical, but they'll I would never, never advocate it. for it unless it was equal. That you have to be raising the floor by enough to keep the total number of dollars in circulation yeah. the same. Now, would it hurt the highest earning players? Yes. It would hurt the Otanis. It would hurt the Trouts. It would hurt the, the guys who are, have the biggest contracts because the value of the high, the highest paid players now would, would, would see a reduction in salary. You just sure. wouldn't be able to afford to pay them the same, but it would benefit a lot of other players, especially the middle market guys who, because more teams would be in a position to compete more regularly because at worst, the Oakland A's would be spending sixty-five no, percent no, of the highest here, earning team. Right now, the Oakland A's. Here's what would happen, Nate. The Oakland A's are spending twenty percent no, of what the highest spending teams. Fifteen percent. But here's what would happen in the cap. What they would end up doing is so Otani, whatever the cap might be. So if you say it's three hundred million dollars, they're going to give as much of that as possible to Shohei Otani instead of him giving the seven hundred, and they'll still pay everybody else nothing. That's that's the way owners would do but it. But that would still balance the, things here's the, competitively. Here's the re- I don't know that it would because, it, well, because there's you, already there's already competitive balance, especially with the expanded playoffs. Because you're seeing, look, what what money does for you is 
it opens another door for you to be competitive. It is not the end all. It doesn't make you a great team, but it gives you the opportunity to be a great team. It gives you the oppor- it gives you another avenue to improve your club. So the Dodgers are not guaranteed to go to a World Series now because they signed this seven hundred million dollar contract. No, but they're guaranteed but they to have- be good. They're well, guaranteed they're, to be good. Sure. And that's, that's, that's what I think gets ignored. But any owner can do that. Yes, but what I think, but they won't. And what I think gets ignored is that the, yes, there have been a lot of different World Series champions, but the small market teams, it's so much harder to get there and they can't stay there. Yeah, Kansas City got there and was really good for a few years. And the price they paid, they had to tear their entire franchise to bits and suck for a decade, right? The Pirates, the A's, these teams, when they do get good, it's for a fleeting moment, and they can't sustain it. And the, the same the thing's going to happen to the hey, Orioles, just like it happened to the, Cleveland, just like it happened to the Nationals. The Cubs are the third biggest market in the country and one of the most profitable teams in sports, and they had to get terrible for a few years before they won a World Series. So most teams have to do that. I, I just There is no chance in hell that any ownership group is ever going to agree to a to a salary floor that doesn't no, benefit they won't. them, they won't. And and the union rightfully isn't going to go that direction either because they don't trust ownership and they shouldn't trust. And them they shouldn't because because every single owner for every single team never trust an owner that cries poor to you because they all Fisher could spend the money, uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates could have spent the money in Cincinnati they could have spent money to make their teams better they just chose not to. It's, and it's it sucks, but that's the way it is. Um, anyway, I hope he ends up staying healthy. He's not going to pitch this year. So yeah, do you that, think he could have gotten more if not for his no, injury? Uh, well, I, I maybe have a, a little bit. In all theory, talk, yes, but it seems like he took not. no discount in the all, end. All, not only did he not take a discount, he earned more than what everybody thought he yeah, was going I, to I get. I didn't hear anybody throw out a number higher than 600. Me neither. That's Nate Gatter. I'm Chris Ranji. You're welcome to visit with us. 314-436-7900 on KMOX. We'll talk to Rob Rains at the bottom of the hour, Cardinals beat reporter uh, for stlsportspage.com, who's been covering the Cardinals for a very long time here in St. Louis. Get a, an idea of his thoughts on the Cardinals offseason. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. date and what is to come. We're not even to Christmas yet, so we still have a lot of time before the offseason is over and spring training gets going in February. So that is coming up on the show. We were just talking about the Shohei Otani $700 million contract, which is an insane amount of money. But one thing that should be pointed out is a lot of the money is deferred, so it's sort of backloaded here. So he's basically poor. I mean, he's really, he's struggling. No, he's not. He's going to be perfectly fine, but it does give them a little bit of relief from the uh, competitive balance tax, which is stupid because it ends up being a few million dollars on the high end, but they act like it's owners talk about this competitive balance tax like is, oh my God, we can't get to that threshold because if we do, we have to pay this. They act like it doubles their output. They act like well, if I have a $300 million payroll with this competitive balance tax, it's going to be $600 million. Like, no, it's an extra few minutes. Shut up. 
You're fine. But anyway, so, uh, you know, we were talking off the air about a moral responsibility I think teams have to the people who live in their cities. And that is, and I say this all the time, I've been saying it for years, that when you ask the people who live in your city to watch your team every night, to buy your products, to buy your apparel, to buy tickets, give your emotion, your time, your money to support your product, you owe it to them to return as much of that as you possibly can. And I don't think a lot of owners are really good at doing that. In fact, uh, a lot of we, we were talking about John Fisher with the A's. Stan Kroenke with the Rams here. He intentionally did not make that team good for 13 years so he can move them. And, and he got rewarded by getting to move them. So... It, it is a it's a very different kind of business than any other business. You know, we've got Boeing here in town, and it's great that Boeing is here, but people aren't flying Boeing flags and and going to buy Boeing jerseys. There's no emotional investment that the the town at large has for Boeing. I mean, it's great that they are here, but it's not like you're spending your nights. I need to go home and watch these people build planes. You know, you're not doing that. You're not spending two, three hours a night with something like that. And and sports is a different contract. You're, you're asking people to support you. You should give back as much as possible. Um, I don't know. I, I think it is great that Otani is going to make all that money, and it's all guaranteed. He's, he like I said earlier, arguably is going to be the best player in my lifetime. Arguably. He does two things really well. He pitches and he hits and he's hurt now. He's not going to pitch this year. But, man, he's extraordinary at both of those things. To have a player who can do that in our in our era is incredible. Let's, uh, let's quickly get to a call. In DeSoto, Eric is with us on KMOX. Hi, Eric. Hi, Chris. I'm here to argue with you. All right. I love it. So, uh, I got to say, man, I know it was clickbaity what I said, but... Uh, I feel like he's overhyped and a little overpaid in this situation here. And the reason why I say this, okay, is hear me out. He was he played in ALS for how many years, right? And then last season was our very first season where we had, you know, let's play every single team. He had some questionable moments last season. All right? Well, That's every player has small... questionable moments. And to be yeah. fair, I mean, I, 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 you haven't had a chance to flesh out your entire argument. But to be fair, last year, I mean, from an offensive standpoint, he had by some distance the best season of his major league career so yeah. far. Cannot be denied one bit. Uh, but w- the the point that I have on that, though, is that one season in the grand scheme of it all, when you're looking at a contract of this size, you guys got to admit, that's such a small sample size that we're looking at. Like, I needed to see at least one more season maybe even two more seasons of this new schedule to really get a good idea of what he is going to be capable of because for so many years he faced such untalented teams. I'm not saying that he couldn't be the greatest player of our you know lifetime. The, the, the chance is still there. But as of right now, do I think he's worth $700 million, especially on a back-end loaded contract? I mean, this is going to be a guy that, I worry in 26, 27, the Dodgers are going to be sitting here like, 
we're not comfortable with this contract, and we're not even going to be able to move it even if we eat 50% of that salary. Well, here's the deal, Eric. They are going to make all of that money back in the next five to six years, if not sooner. They'll make every bit of that $700 million back. And Otani has played 700 games in his career. I think we have a pretty good idea how good he is. The going it rate doesn't last, matter that he played in the AL West. The going He's rate last year player. was $8.5 million per win above replacement. That's what MLB teams paid last offseason. Yeah, he's a 10 Shohei Otani had 10 wins last year, was worth 10 wins. So that would be, in theory, an $85 million a year contract. That's right. Um, I think he will be worth it. At minimum, they'll make all that back. That's Nate Gatter. I'm Chris Ranji. Rob Rains is next on KMOX. Uh, Cardinals baseball coming back in what? How many months? Let's see. It's December. Two months, really. We're about two months away from the time where they will report for spring training in Florida. That'll be great. Um, in the meantime, we are going to continue to talk baseball with you. The Cardinals report brought to you by Renner Garage Door. R-E-N-N-E-R. Forward and back. Family owned and top rated. RennerDoorSTL.com. We are joined now by Rob Rains, who writes for the Cardinals at STLSportsPage.com. And he is with us now on the Quiver River Electric guest line. Good morning, Rob. How are you? I'm, I'm good, guys. How are you? Oh, we're doing okay. We'll get to the Tyler O'Neill uh, thing in just a moment. But Nate mm-hmm. Gatter, who is uh, in for Amy Marks Corps, is, is uh, he and I were just discussing the new contract for Shohei Otani, the $700 million 10-year deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. What are your thoughts on it? It's a lot of money. But, I, I you know, I'll, I'll say this. I don't think any baseball player is probably worth that kind of money. But saying the same you know, at the same time, I don't begrudge him for getting it because somebody was willing to pay it to him. If no, nobody, you know, made the Dodgers sign him to that contract. So, and obviously, if the Dodgers signed him to that contract, they did it for for one reason. They thought he's going to help them make more money than that. You know, so and, and he probably will. I mean, you know, you got to look at the fact that he's a he's a once in a generation player. The fact that he's from Japan, so you open up all the other marketing and and you know possibilities of expanding into that you know region of the world. You know plus their own own coverage and, and the fact they haven't won for, you know, World Series and other than the COVID year in a long time. So I think there's a lot of reason behind it, and they had the money. As, as I say, it's not, you know, I don't think he's worth it, but I don't begrudge him getting it, just like I don't begrudge any player getting what they can get on the open market because well, an owner has to be willing to pay it. And, and they will make that money back. So in itself, wouldn't you say that's worth it? Because, we, I mean, halfway yeah. through the contract, they're they're going to make that 700 and then some. Yeah, I would think so, and it's not yeah. the way that and we haven't seen all the details yet, the breakdown of it. But for a couple of the, the internet reports that we saw was that a lot of it is deferred money. Yeah. So that helps the Dodgers in terms of their competitive balance tax and the total total overall payroll for you know this year, so they can go out and still improve the club. You know, in other ways, it's not just going to be a one man team. So, so I think you know he he was willing to do that because that's where he wanted to play, and that's you know that's the beauty of the of the free marketplace. You know, once you become a free agent, it's your choice. You know, you can go where you want, and you just have to find somebody that's willing to pay you, and if it matches up that happens to be the place where you want to go, it's a beautiful thing. Rob, uh, of course, the, the Cardinals will be in L.A. to open the season at the end of March, so they'll be the first team to play Shohei Otani in a regular season game, assuming uh, that he is good to go, at least as a hitter uh, for opening day, which is the expectation, though he's uh, not planning to pitch this season. Tyler O'Neill will not be with the Cardinals to uh, face Shohei Otani that day because he was traded on Friday to the Boston Red Sox, the Cardinals in return. Got a right-handed reliever, Nick Robertson, and minor league right-handed starter, Victor Santos. A couple of pitchers 
Uh, first of all, I, I, you know, John Mozeliak was, I think, significantly more open than what we're used to about the fact that even including Tyler O'Neill's name specifically in conversations with media about players likely to be traded. Were you surprised that Mozeliak was that explicit, especially considering, you know, if anything, that's going to maybe undermine his value on the open market if, if teams know that you're that set on moving him? Yes and no, because I don't think it, it made it more open in the public, but I suspect that the other you know 29 teams knew very well all since the end of last season that Tyler O'Neill was very much available. So it didn't change. It, it, you know, it may have made it more open on the, the public perception of it, but it didn't change anything from the other team's perspective. They knew he was available and that the Cardinals probably were not going to get you know, about more than what they got in return simply because they were so open about the fact that they were looking to trade him. So let's let's talk about the pitching that they did acquire, and it's a step in the right direction, no question about that. I know there are a lot of Cardinals fans that want them to go a little bit, uh, you know, deeper here and and yeah. acquire a real, true, front of the line starter. What do you think happens next, and what are your thoughts on yeah. what they've done so far? I think they've done good. I mean, they're they're a better team today than they were at the end of the last of the last season with the additions of the the Gray, Lynn, and and Gibson. So, are they all the way they where they need to be? I don't think so. I'd still like to see them go out and get one more top of the rotation starter, whether that's through a trade or or a free agency. I think they're also still in the market for some other bullpen arms of the free agency. The other thing to remember about the trade is, okay, you got a couple of players back who might you know one of them might help you this year, one of them might help you in the future, but you also freed up the probably six million dollars that. O'Neill was going to make through arbitration this year. So you also, you know, that was another factor in the trade is somebody being willing to take on that contract. So you know, that gives them a little more flexibility as far as, you know, payroll is concerned, whether it's, again, whether it's try to get a starter, try to get a relief pitcher, try to you know, pick up somebody that's, that makes money, you know, through a trade or, you know, have available for a free agency. So, you know, I'm not ready to judge the Cardinals offseason yet, simply because we still have, you know, as you mentioned, two months to go before we even get to spring training. So there's still some there's still some moves to be made, but I, I do think the ones they've made so far have made them a better team. They're just not not all the way that where they need to go. Yeah, it's a good point because uh, on the one hand, I, I don't necessarily think the Cardinals have made any bad moves with that respect to that rotation. You can see the value in in Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson. Certainly, Sonny Gray is a, is a very good addition, and if he pitches anywhere close to the level he did last season for the next three years, the Cardinals are going to get very good value for that. But at the same time, I think it's gotten lost at times that, that the Cardinals are replacing Jordan Montgomery with Sonny Gray and to whatever extent Adam Wainwright still had value last season, which was pretty minimal. They're replacing him with uh, either Lynn or Gibson. Take your pick. So ultimately Sonny Gray is really the only high upside player they've added from free agency so far. And that is that guy's replacing their only high upside starter from a year ago. Not to mention speaking of upside that, that Jack Flaherty has moved on as well. So essentially you've replaced Montgomery Flaherty and Wainwright with Gray Gibson and Lynn maybe as you say that that's made them somewhat better but I think it would be a stretch to say the rotation is in a significantly better place from a talent and upside standpoint than it was even in July of last year the only thing I would say that I, I would agree with you except for one thing I think that what they've done is they've they've taken away some of the uncertainty of 
you know, in, of innings because those guys are all been, you know, not to say what's going to happen in the future, but to the past, the last couple of years anyway, those guys have been very durable starters. They've logged a lot of innings. They're up, you know, near the, the top 20 or whatever in the in the major leagues as far as number of innings pitched in the last couple of years. And that's something that the Cardinals were looking to do because we all know that the, the deeper a Cardinal a starter could go into the game, the better it makes the bullpen too because it shortens that game for the bullpen. So, so I think that was a problem a year ago with the, you know, they had struggled a lot of times to get a, pitcher through the you know fourth or fifth inning so now you're looking at guys that usually go at least six innings so in the three guys that they've added so i think that's an upgrade over what they had too visiting with rob rains cardinals beat reporter at stlsportspage.com um we maybe have not focused enough on the bullpen which a, a lot of observers believe needs improvement as well what's the best direction do you think they can take to improve that unit? I know free agency is an option, but it doesn't always work out the best to do it that way. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, to, to me, you know, I think one thing that they've done is, is they've relied or they've stayed with the same guys too long. I mean, I forget now who it was one of the longtime baseball executive years ago told me that you, the thing that you have to do with a bullpen is you have to turn it over every three years. You just can't keep the same guys in a bullpen role, you know, for, for that long, maybe, you know, one of them or two of them, but not, you know, on a reliable basis, you have to just have some fresh guys out there. So that's one thing I think they're trying to do. The other thing I think it is you got to look at the way that they've improved that starting rotation. That means as of now, Zach Thompson and Matthew Limitor would be in the bullpen. So I think that gives us a couple more guys, you know, that you've had in the past that have had some success out there. They're young guys that I think have a good upside in, in, put them in those roles. And then I think you're going to go out and they're going to get another guy, whether it's, you know, one of the guys from Korea or Japan that's available on a free agent market that both have had some success. You know, they're not going to come with the long-term, you know, high, you know, value deal that the other free agent, you know, pitchers are getting from Japan and Korea. But I think they could be a, a plus factor. And then I think that's, that's where you can make some, some moves, you know, and you could make a, a minor trade or two to get, get another young arm or two in there. So I think that they've got, and they've also got some kids that have pitched like a Gordon Graceffo who have pitched, you know, coming up through the system. Maybe his future is in the bullpen, not as a starter because he, you know, throws, throws hard too. So, you know, I think they've got some options there, but I think they're just, that, that's where they need to still kind of finish off with their, what they're attempting to do this winter. Rob Rains, appreciate your time. It's good to talk to you again. Thank you for visiting with us today. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Rob Rains, Cardinals beat writer at stlsportspage.com. And as I mentioned, been covering the Cardinals for a long time with us here on KMOX. We still do have a Cardinals holiday pack to give away today. And again, I'll let you know when. Um, We'll have one today and one for the rest of the week. Each day this week, we'll be giving away a Cardinals holiday pack. So it's perfect. It could end up being a great gift for you, well, to give to somebody else, or you can keep it yourself, whatever you want to do with uh, the holidays here. 314-436-7900 to call or text the show. A texter says that uh, Chris is so biased um, against owners, he cannot possibly formulate a reasonable opinion on salary in in the MLB, he says. Um, Unless that text is from an owner, then, I mean, I don't understand. Nah. I don't understand why people get so excited to to, to just, like, put the cape on well, for the billionaires. You know what I they need is why, me to text in. No, that's, that's what the billionaires need. I am not anti-owner. I am anti-owners who don't invest in the teams they have. Which we all like, should who, be. Everybody is, except for them. Like, why would you not be?
I, I just I think to your point about the moral imperative that that owners have in any sport, I think they own what is though a private entity in some ways a quasi public good that relies on the goodwill of the community and provides a community service. Right. Yeah. And as a result, they don't necessarily need to to pump their own dollars in and operate at a loss like Steve Cohen was going to do with the Mets for a period of time. But they do. I think have a have a moral duty to return the, all those dollars that the fans are pumping into the franchise to the fans, whether that's through the payroll, whether it's through improving the stadium. You could do it in different ways, but I I would like I think most teams should be revenue neutral on an annual basis, and those owners will still make an enormous profit based on the valuation of their teams. I got fooled on Friday. Boy, did I get fooled. I'll tell you what happened when we come back on KMOX. Uh, on Friday, there was a... I woke up on Friday morning to multiple text messages. Because everybody knows that I'm a U2 fan. Uh, well, people who know me personally know that. That's probably my first favorite band ever. And, you know, I still like them a lot. Um, I used to live in Chicago on this street called North Avenue. Uh, at the corner of North Avenue and Sedgwick. And one block up is this place called Twin Anchors. It is a tavern. It's been there for a long time. They are known for their barbecued ribs, which are actually really good. Um, And Frank Sinatra used to hang out in this place. So I got these text messages. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Bono walked into Twin Anchors last night, ordered food, and left. He sang Christmas carols with everybody. People were taking photos with him. They took videos and posted them on social media. And it got shared a lot. The owners were beside themselves thinking, oh my gosh, Bono walked in. This is probably the most famous person. It has to be the most famous person to be here since Frank Sinatra used to come here. One of the Cubs players, Nico Horner, who, Nate, I know you know who Nico Horner is. He was there with his friends from, I think, college or something and was telling everybody that he saw Bono. Which, if Nico Horner alone is there, that's already, that's a pretty good so night, I'm, I think, for, for the bar. You know, Nico Horner yeah, Nico, a, he's pretty player. famous. You know? Well, a lot, of people, a lot of people go in, you know, in and out, uh, but it's, you know, it's Bono. It's, it's right, Bono. Right, I'm not comparing Nico right. Horner and Bono. I'm just saying they're already doing pretty well with Nico Horner, and now they're thinking they've hit the jackpot. I've got all these text messages from people. They're just freaking out. Because I used to go to Twin Anchors a lot. We'd get food. It's right down the street from me. I was, I was there a lot. And so I retweeted it and said, oh, my God, I'm losing my mind because look who's here. Bono's here. Feeling and, personally and I, offended I, that yeah, he went like, when you weren't there. Yeah. It just I, it, astounding, right? And then one person responded to the text, to the tweet that I sent and said, that is absolutely not Bono. And I looked at it closer, and I know what Bono looks like. I'm a, I'm a connoisseur. You sure. This guy looks exactly like him. And it turns out it is not Bono. No, definitely not. It is a Bono impersonator named Pavel who uh, is in a U2 tribute band. And he says that he did not go there with the intent of fooling everybody. It's just that everybody thought it was him and he went along with it. Fooled me. Fooled Nico Horner. Fooled the bar owners. This guy says that he has been a body double for Bono in a Vogue magazine shoot. 
I feel I, like that's not the kind of thing you're supposed I, to I say so, if it's true. So a, a co-worker of mine at the Odyssey station in Chicago that I sometimes do work for and the one that I used to work for primarily reached out to him and, and he located him and found him. And the guy's like, yeah, dude, it wasn't me. Did it, it make wasn't you? Me, it just, was, was it just. Was uh, oh, so it so disappointing? Did, were you more disappointed or less to find out it wasn't actually it's Bono? A, it's an, um, I love the story so much that it fooled everybody. It's a great story now. It would have been really cool if I had been there, though. Dang it. Anyway, uh, don't get fooled by fake Bono. That's my that's my wisdom to you. Nate Gatter, Chris Ranji on KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.